90% Mental, Conversations with Grant Parr, Episode 86. Today, mental performance coach Grant Parr sits down with Tyree Washington, former world champion sprinter, two-time fastest man in the world, and motivational speaker who shares his championship mindset on how this mindset helped him to overcome multiple adversities throughout his career. It is Tyree's energy and championship mindset that will inspire you to play a bigger game. Hey, Tyree, how are you? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Grant? Man, I'm, I'm excited. I'm, you've actually got me really pumped up on this, uh, the pre-call we just had, and I'm just elated to have you on my show to talk about your elite mindset, your journey as a sprinter, and even when you played in a professional football, and just kind of just understand what you're doing now to help people and being a motivational speaker, and I'm just excited to have you on my show, man. Well, I'm, ex- I'm excited to be on your show. I, so for me, it's always it's always a blessing to be able to share my story with people and be able to help you know, help them in um, whatever they're going through in life. I mean, overcome adversity, if it's leadership, uh, if it's talking about just teamwork. But uh, just, it's just like the, all the relays I ran on my U.S. national team uh, many years ago. I just want to be able to pass the baton and help as many people as I possibly can before I leave this earth one day. I love it, man. Being in service, man. I love it. I love it. So let's, uh, let's get into one of my favorite topics, uh, mental toughness. And I always start off every show with this. So when you think about mental toughness, what does mentally tough mean to you? Well, for, for me, is, is when you can be able to block out all the distractions and still be able to perform at the highest level. I mean, I think back to years ago when, when I, was at, I was at Penn and Relays and I was, we had USA versus the world, and I was running a relay. And I, I got tripped up with Christopher Brown from the Bahamas, which is actually one of my friends. And I fell on my side, and, and I was having a lot of abdominal pain, my lower abdominal pain. And I went to see my physician, and they said, well, I separated my pelvis. And so my, they told me, well, you're done for the rest of the year. And so I said, no, I'm not going to done. I said, well, give me the best painkillers you can give me without me testing positive. And so I was, I was just taking Motrin. But, you know, long story short, I didn't make the world championship that year, which was actually in 2005. And I, I made the World Lakes final, and they had the best runners and best quarter ballers in the world at, um, at that event. And, and I couldn't even crack 45 if it saved my life. It just seemed like it wasn't happening. Then all of a sudden, I ran 44, 51, I believe, and I broke the championship record. So I was in extreme pain. I was spitting up blood. But I, just, I kept my focus on the prize. And, and despite having my injury, despite of maybe things going on at home, maybe in my marriage or something financial, whatever it may have been, I blocked all out. And, and I think that's what, you know, I think that's what it takes to have that mental toughness that when you can just have that tunnel vision and just focus on, focus on the finish line, focus on the prize. And, and just as my, my buddy Bernard Williams says, my former teammate is that when you stay in your lane. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. Man. So that, thanks for sharing that. When you have to go through that pain, uh, and obviously you're, you're, you're in the whole spirit of being mentally tough. Like what are some of the things that you had to do to keep you focused on, on racing? Was it the way you talked to yourself? Was it the way you had to get into your breath? Like what, what were some of the things you had to do in that moment? Well, I, I mean, I think this environment is important. It's just making sure you have a positive environment. My, my coach was like, despite like, you know, you know, whatever challenges I was going through in my life at that time. I mean, my coach was always encouraging. He was always positive. He was always things to work out and, and, and just me and just having those, those pep talks and just telling myself, just rehearsing what my coach said and, 
and just reading things that are very positive and just watching. I mean, I, I love I'm, I'm, I love movies and inspirational movies. So one of my favorite movies is like Forrest Gump. And so, yeah. like, I, I think about I think about all these all these you know all these people that have just overcome overcome these challenges in their life challenges in their life to become successful. And so I just tell myself, hey, if they did it, I can do it. And so that just pushes me forward to to be able to accomplish anything, to go after anything I want to accomplish in life. You know, you brought up like in movies, and I always bring this up when I'm working with athletes about, um, you know, there's, a, you know, we can put that soundtrack on, you know, like when we're playing, like what's your Rocky song, uh, you know that that you know, so when you when you're watching Rocky, you you know exactly when it's gonna Rocky's gonna stand up and start doing his thing because that music starts to come on, right? So did right. you did you have that Rocky song? Was there that kind of soundtrack in the in the background that that kind of kept you motivated? You're ready for this. You're ready for this, right? I love it. Let's go. <laughs> All right, here it comes. All right, here, here it is. So most people need that. Most people need that 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 song that's going to amp them up and get them ready. I was already amped. I was like overly amped up, just so pumped up. So my coaches would tell me you got to calm down. So my favorite artist who helped me along the way, and she passed away, and I was heartbroken, was Whitney Houston. Mm. So she would like, so I listened to Whitney Houston before going to any major competition. I talk about this in my book, and my teammates, were, they were laughing. They're like, hey, Ty, what are you listening to? Like, I'm listening, I'm listening to Whitney. And, but that just balanced me out. It was almost like, kind of like that. It's like that, I don't think it's somebody that's a sniper. You know, they're going to they're gonna take somebody out. They're not going to listen to some, like, it's a hardcore heavy metal or something that's just going to They need something that's very calm and relaxing, listen to Beethoven or whatever. Yeah. So when they pull that trigger, they can be able to hit that target, like, dead on. And so for me, it was my, like, Whitney Houston, she, she calmed me down and, and had balanced everything out so I can be able to just have that, that peace and that, you know, even more focus. Yeah. Um, yeah. Love me some nippy, man. I, lo- I love it. You know, there there was a uh, um, an Olympian I worked with, Asia Evans, and uh, she used to listen to Whitney too, and also just gospel music. <laughs> just it would just kind of yeah. you know ground her. And I just had Jake Plummer on my show uh, a couple weeks ago, former quarterback for um, the Broncos and the Cardinals, and he was telling me that he had multiple times throughout his whole career he'd have coaches like, "Hey man, you're you're losing a lot of energy. Like you're too amped up. You need to do something differently." <laughs> <laughs> and he, and he was like he learned how to actually um, not only to breathe and and and, do, and meditate, but he said that uh, Bob Marley was his his change. He went from listening to Megadeth nice. and Metallica to Bob Marley. <laughs> I like it. I like that. I mean that. I mean every like, like you said, every athlete has like their their go to person to where it's gonna just just balance out them, you know, balance everything out mentally, and to give them that peace and. And med- I mean, meditation is huge. I mean, I know before every major competition, I would always just pray, and and that that helped as well. But like, just you know, as far as like artists and just music, I mean, Whitney, she was she was my it, man. Yeah. She was my it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So when you when you think about your mindset as an athlete, like whether as a sprinter or even when you played in uh, in the professional football, how would you describe your mindset? Well, I think back to when I was in college. When I, mean, when I, 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 signed, a, I signed a scholarship to the University of Oregon to play football. Things didn't work out. Academic, you had some academic issues. Went to the junior college. I met Blackman Ehem. Um, and I remember the first day of practice, he told me, he said, you're a professional athlete in college. And I remember I looked at him like a deer in headlights. Like I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm in JUCO. I mean, I'm not at University of Oregon. I'm not at any university. He said, uh, and he said, well, 
he said, the reason why, you, the reason why you were a professional athlete in college is because he told me, you're going to think, he told me you're going to think like one, train like one. He's going to eat like one, dress like one, everything, because he said, you're going to become pro. And when you do, you're not, it's, it's not going to be a culture shock. So for, so for me, it's that I adopted that mm-hmm. and, and I was that. And so nine months later, I became pro and I was running against, I was racing against Michael Johnson who had just broke the year prior had just broken the, 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 the world record in the 200 meters and he broke the Olympic record in the 400 meters. And I just, I didn't, and I, my mindset was, I didn't even, I didn't fret. I didn't tremble. And, and it was like, I was already, I was, I was already on their level, like with the best 400 meter runners in the world. So that was like my mentality when I was in junior college. Wow. You know, it's funny. I had a, a conversation with an athlete just last week and I asked the question, you know, why are you a champion? And it was the funniest, it wasn't funny at all, but he was, he looked at me and he goes, <laughs> he goes, well, I haven't won a championship yet. And I said, that's not my question. Why are you a champion? And he was, and he just didn't get it. And I was like, you don't have to be a champ. You don't have to win a championship to be a champion. It's a mindset. And you know, exactly. and, I, and I go back to that, my dad, like when I was young, my dad was awesome. Like he did, he was way ahead of the curve when it came to mental skills and, and motivation and technique and all that stuff in all of our sports. But he would always say this to my brother and myself. He would always say this before every time we go to practice, anytime we go and compete, he would say, you're number one. He wasn't saying you have to be the best and be the number one person out there, but it's basically do your best, be number one. And it's just the same yes. concept. Be a champion. Well, it's like, it's like I worked with Jack Canfield last year, and he's the co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. Uh, and, you know, this great book sold over 500 million copies worldwide. And, I mean, when I was in college, we, we called it like one level up. So my coach was like, hey, you're a professional athlete in college. Jack Canfield called act as this. So it's like even though you're not that, even though I may not have been, I'm in junior college, and I may not have been. Um, a professional. I'm acting as if I'm a professional athlete because I'm about to become that. If you wanna, you wanna be an entrepreneur and start whatever business you wanna get into, act as if like you're at that right now. I mean, if you're, and it's like you wanna, if you wanna be, you know, if you wanna be a teacher, it's like you know, act as if you're that right now, so you can start. Like most, most time people wanna wait. You know, I wanna, I'm gonna go to college, I'm gonna finish my degree, and, and then, then I'll just start being a teacher. Like no, you know, be that, be that now. Yeah. I mean, there's no law saying there's no law saying that you cannot be that. So that helped me out tremendously, uh, you know, as a student athlete in, in college. And, and before you know it, it was like I was getting prepped just to be. I was getting prepped just to be this pro. And and, I, and here I'm here. There I am. It's sort of like you know, NBC and you got TNT and you got all these you know these major networks and they're interviewing me. And my coach made sure I took two years of speech class in college because he, he had a vision. And that, and that's what helped me out too. Like is that visualization of just knowing that. I have to see. I have to see where I want to be because eventually that's where I'm. That's where I'm. Going, that's where I'm going to be, and and it just happened. It's no different than me running repeat. Like I ran repeat 400s. So my coach would say, "Okay, you got 48 seconds. You, know, you have 48 seconds to run this 400 meters. You have to, and that's 12 seconds for each hundred." I would close my eyes. I would visualize myself running 12 seconds. I'm in my. I'm in my my trainers, and I'm hitting my clockwork. 12, 12, 12, 48. Sometimes it was faster, but I was I was on pace. Wow. So. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. How much, when it comes to, when I say mental skills, you know, we talk about visualization and breathing and meditation, self-talk, mantras, like I can keep on listing them all off. How much was your mental game connected to visualization and all these mental skills strategies? 
It was, I, I believe it was heavily connected because you can't, you can't use one without the other. I mean, they go hand in hand to me. They're, they're twins. And so the, the, the mental aspect is blocking all these barriers and you have an obviously you want to see where you, you want to see where you want to be and what you want to do in life. And so I always look at it. I tell athletes all the time and I tell people, it's almost like, I mean, I, I love baking stuff, right? I bake too much stuff and I love the sweets and I get in trouble with my wife. But um, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so I keep baking them. So I keep baking them quickly again and and I, you know the pies. I, I love you know I love it. So, but it's like I, I call it like the cake effect. Is that is that when you're you know becoming a you know good or it's a great athlete? It's that you have to factor. You have to have all these factors. I mean, you have to have that mental toughness, that visualization. You have to set your goals. Obviously, you have to do good academically. Your character. I mean, all these come into play to put you in a position. Um, to where it can, uh, say, you know, set you up, you know, to be in this position to where you have a probably you have the highest chance of performing at the highest the highest level. And so, a lot of times you have athletes that they're doing you're doing one or two of them, but they're not doing all of them. And and then it goes back to two is like I mean your coach who you're with and and I mean we live in a day a day and age of you know with internet so you can find out anything. So it's all about the motivation. But I believe that if they have the opportunity to be a good, a great, uh, you know, a great coach, and that's going to give them, you know, help them to have all these factors, give them all these factors to where they can implement in their life to set them up for success. They're going to do like great things, and that's what my coaching did for me. I had so many great coaches across the board, and, and I had Jim Bush, the legendary track coach at USC, US, um, UC, USC UCLA, and I mean, he would always tell me, he said, I can, I can look at, you, I can look at your warm up, how you're warming up, and I'm going to tell you how you're, you're going to perform in your competition. He said, if your warm-up was sloppy, he said, well, your practice is going to be sloppy, your competition is going to be sloppy. You're not going to perform the way you want. Mm. So it's just all those, it's all those little things that matter. I mean, it's, not all, it's not so much like the major things, it's the little things in life that kind of add up and help you to, to reach greatness. Yeah, it's so funny you, you bring this up because this literally is p- plugging into my next question because <laughs> it really, like, it, and, and I agree with you, it's, it's the little things that we do every day consistently that's going to allow us to to get greatness and and because you've competed with and against the best in the world and i know this is kind of a big question but what do you think is the main factor in achieving greatness oh the main factor that's actually that's actually a really great question is i would think that if you're like if you're everybody has a talent and Everybody has a talent, and when you get to my level of, like, you wanna, you're gonna go to a major, like, just say you're gonna go to a major university, you're gonna go to USC, University of Southern California, play football. They got a lot of running backs on that, on that, on that squad that can play in any university in the country. They pretty much can go to the NFL, you know, as a freshman. A lot of them because they're so great. And there's many you go to Bama, Oklahoma, but what sets them apart for, you know, for the ones that are just they come in their their all state, career all American. And I think a lot of it is, to me, it's like it's that it's that work ethic. It's that you know that no matter hell or high water, is that you're gonna always keep pressing forward no matter what, and you're gonna dot your eyes, you're gonna cross your t's, you're gonna have that cake effect, and and you're gonna just and you're gonna perform as if like it's the last time you're gonna ever perform in your life, and that may be practice, and maybe game, or maybe whatever, because most of most of us are like we are we're all talented. We all talented, but but it's like who? It's all a matter of who is gonna who's gonna put in the work. Who's gonna have, who's gonna have a, who's gonna have a great work ethic? And so, I think I would say it's just I would say a lot of it could be work ethic. 
Yeah. I like that. I also like to take it a little bit further, too, because it, it's one thing to have work ethic, but when I call it doing the work in the dark, when no one's looking. And yes, you, great point. You know, and, and extending that work ethic outside of actually just when the coach is around or your teammates around. It's what, what you're doing before and after and your recovery and just doing all that work in the, you know, doing all that hard work in the, in the dark. Like, and, I, and that translates to your work ethic. Um, and so that's beautiful. I, I love that you brought that up. Uh, well, this, and you think, you think about it too, though, Grant, like you think about character, right? Yeah. It's like you have all these kids, like, and you have a lot of these, you know, these kids are getting ready for the NFL draft or the NBA, whatever it may be, they're in college and they're just you know, putting up the numbers. But it's like when you're talking about working in the dark, working in the dark uh, it's like, you know, when, when, when no one's looking. Because a lot of my, I tell these, like, these student athletes, too, when I'm, I'm talking to them or, or whoever, and I'm like, well, it's easy to say, yes, sir, no, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But, but you may not be, but you, you're saying it in front of their face, but behind closed doors, you're something else. And, like, and behind closed doors, that's, you know, that's your character. Like, the, the, you know, the way, the, who you, like, the way you act is like, that's who you are. So if you're, you're going and you're disrespecting your, your mom, your teachers, your coach, whatnot, it's like eventually that's going to come out. And because everybody can look good and yeah. like on social media and they can say the right things, right? But let me check you out behind closed door when no one's looking. Let me put a camera in you see what you're really like. Yeah. That's, that's your true identity right there. For sure. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's, that's, and it's true because there's, there's so many things that make up the fabric of your character. You know? Yes. You know? I agree. It is. And it's just, that's, that's a great point. Now this this question I love because it's going to uh, it's going to make you kind of go back into your career and, and think about a few different areas. Uh, and basically, what I want you to think about is what was your biggest mental win as an athlete, and what was your biggest mental fail, and how did you overcome it? Mental win. Mental. Hmm. I will go. I'm gonna start off with a failure. Okay. Uh, I fail. I just. I didn't win. <laughs> so many, <laughs> so years ago I was running, I was, I was running club track and I was at, I was at Bryan Park and I was running for the, I think it was the Riverside Cheetahs. And, and I had to run a certain time to qualify for the Hershey meet in Pennsylvania. And I remember I got, I got second in the race. I was running, I was running the, I believe it was the hundred meters. And I missed out by a 100 of a second from qualifying to going to, going to Pennsylvania to run the Hershey meet, and I really wanted to go back then. And so that was like, for me, that was like kind of a wake-up call, and I was like, okay, well, I need to go back to the to the whiteboard, and I need to find out, like, what did I, like, what did I do wrong? And But I think, like, one of the biggest wins, I would say, is that um, I would say, like, me winning, me winning, me breaking, actually, the junior college uh, state record, you know, the junior college national record in, 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 in the 400 meters. I was at a I was at a point in my life to where I had my my son was about a year old and I I lost my scholarship to the University of Oregon had no money I had no car and I remember I was like I need to do something something needs to happen in my life it needs to change because I need to do better for my son it's not about Tyree Washington anymore it's about this little baby and I mean I was out crying before like the day I was gonna the day of the need and I know we we left with the Bakersfield. And I dropped forty four fifty two. And I remember when I finished that race, it was like I was actually talking to one of the side, uh, the, the, the side judges, and people weren't even coming in yet. And I remember the whole stadium and Bakersfield College. You got it was like eerie quiet. And I was like, "What did I do? Like, what happened?" <laughs> and 
And then I, I stood there in front of my girlfriend, and then they announced, they said, new national record, 4452. I'm getting goosebumps right now, man, as I think about it. I and I remember I just cried. I just cried because that one moment changed my, that one moment in time. And literally the time I ran, it changed my whole life. Because that's when I knew. I was like, that's when I really, I was like, and I'm like, I was a, I'm like, I'm one of the best in the world. I was the second fastest quarter mile in the world. And the only one that was ahead, the only one that was above me was Michael Johnson. Wow. Wow. And I'm going to, later in the show, I'm going to, I'm going to ask some questions about him um, in, in, in just competing with him and, you know, and, and what he did for you. But um, that's beautiful, man. I, I think when you break records, you don't necessarily have to break a record to arrive, but no, it's special. And, you know, I, I did it, um, as in junior college as well, but I never knew it until like literally four or five months after football season was over. I was, yeah, I was reading it in an, in a football, in in an article. And I was just like, Whoa, no one told me. (laughs) So it was kind of a, you know, I didn't have that like, Oh my God, I've arrived, you know, but but I, I can right. only imagine, like, just in, in the fact that you just shared your emotion now, just having goosebumps, I can only imagine in that moment when you've broken that record, like, what it felt like. Yeah, you're just, I mean, it's like when you think about it, it's like everything flashes before your eyes. It's like you think about all the struggle, all the sacrifice that you made, and all the people that, like, just were, that were up against you, like, you're not going to make it. That's why the, the title of my book is called They Told Me No. It's like I turned no into yes and yes into success. And, and I, rem- I remember just like I'm just standing there and I'm just thinking like, I said, man, like I don't have a car. I've I just been on the bus. I've just been walking. Sometimes, I mean, I'm just, it was, I, didn't have, I didn't have nothing to eat. And, and it's just like, but I just kept fighting. I kept just working hard. And then now, like here I am. I'm the, I'm the national record holder. I'm the number two quarter miler in the world. In the world. And it's just like, Man, it just it gave me so much just relief. It gave me so much confidence, and I was, I had so much gratitude uh, that you know for my coaches and just for everybody that just supported me. And man, I felt good. And I just wanted, and that's why that's why you know you know with my walk now in life is just I know we'll talk, I know we're gonna talk about this, but it's that's why I'm, I'm so big on just overcoming talking about overcoming adversity because I've been through so much in my life, and and I'm like, hey, I'm gonna give you hope because I'm living I'm living proof of it. And I love it, and I can't wait to talk about how you, how you dealt with adversity. Uh, one thing that I want to ask is a, another monumental moment in your career is when you were named the fastest man in the 400 meter twice. Like, what was it like? I mean, here's here you are, this sprinter. You've worked on your craft, and like, it's one thing to win a gold medal, uh, you know, and achieve all these these external things. But when someone says you're the fastest man, Period. Like, what what did it feel like that in that day or the day that you found out? Well, I tell you, like, I didn't feel like Superman. Like, I had a cape on, but like, like visually, <laughs> right. <laughs> I just felt I didn't feel like that. <laughs> but it, it felt it felt great. It just it just knowing like like once again like I was uh, stating before that I think when you think about all the hard work, it's like I'm on the podium and they're putting that, they're putting the gold medal around my neck. And just knowing that all my hard work, like all my sacrifice, it paid off. And I tell you, the, when I won my first, when I was crowned the fastest man in the world indoors, I took an 18 month hiatus because my sister she committed murder, mm. and and it devastated me. 
And so a lot of people, they're like, well, Tyree Washington is never coming back. We're probably going to never see him again. But after I got over, I got, I got over the morning and the heartache and the pain, I came back with a vengeance. And I was like, my fall program, I wanted to be, I wanted to be close to flawless. I knew it was going to be perfect close to flawless. And so I just trained through, I actually trained through most of the time athletes were prepped to get ready for an indoor world championship. My coach told me, he says, we're just going to train through it. So I, I, I trained through it and I won a world title. So it's crowned the fast minute in, um, indoors. And then outdoors, it was like, I had this momentum going. And then same thing. I was crowned the fastest man outdoors. But there was a, there was a twist to that because my teammate actually beat me. But uh, if you, you want, you know, I'm sure you, you did some research. Like he, um, he ended up, he was doping. And so I got, so later on, I got crowned the fastest man in the world. But still, that was still, it was still my title. And, and I, I put, I put the work in, but, but it's just, it's a feeling of just, it's unbelief, literally, because you're just like, I mean, I'm like, I know how hard I work, but I'm like, how is it even possible? I said, man, there's like, there's like billions of people on the planet. And they're like, man, you're the fastest one of you to run in the world. And I'm just like, I'm like, I have to pinch myself. I get like, wake up, wake up, Ty, wake up, man, because wow. you're dreaming. But it was, it was real. It was all real. Wow. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. You know, I want to talk about this as well with athletes, because I know that not every athlete, not in every sport, but generally speaking, a lot of times we let go of who we are and then we kind of transform into this thing, whatever that thing is. It doesn't have to be an animal or a cartoon character or whatever. It could be an alternate ego like like Kobe Bryant, like the Black Mamba. Um, right. There's a fencer that I work with and she she literally feels like she transforms into a tiger when she's on the fencing strip and, and it's very fitting for that sport so i was just wondering like within your mindset did you ever transform into anything or or was it just just a a competitive mindset was there something that like like i'm thinking as a sprinter like a cheetah or something like did you ever transform into something yeah (laughs) i mean i love this question when i when i first went pro and my first international meeting i treated the track as if it was a football field and I had to do it with the football mentality. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to knock all these runners out. Of course, I couldn't hit them. All right. <laughs> I'll be done. All right, right. <laughs> They're like, he's out. Right. Um, but I felt like I was a football player on the track. You know, I had that football mentality. Of that, it's like that gladiator mentality. It's that you annihilate everybody. Right. And, and so I, 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 I indulged that. Like, I digested it. And, and I literally, obviously, I ran with it. And so... I just had like this, to me, like this presence of, of just being like this giant, like, and everybody else was kind of beneath me, even looking at Michael Johnson. I mean, I would go to call rooms and athletes would walk in and they would look at Michael and he had this presence about him, which he had a tough presence, but me, I had a tough mentality as well. Like, that's why we clashed and athletes would be like, well, I'm going to get third today. I'm going to get fifth. So they already put the, 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 mentally they already checked out. Right. They already lost. They already lost the race before they even got on the track. Me, on the other hand, I was like, I'm the best in the world. Nothing is Michael. Michael's a phenomenal athlete. He's great. But I was like, I'm the best in the world. And even though you've done great things, you need to prove that today to me. Because we're going to fight. We're going to go at it just like we're in the football field. We're going we're gonna to hit, hit each other. Wow. And so that was, that was, that's, what I tra- that's what I transformed. I transformed into a football player like I was in the NFL. I mean, and, and, I, and I'm just ready to light you up. <laughs> 
<laughs> man, I, I love that. I love that mindset. But I'm curious because you you know all the all the individuals on the USA team that you had to compete against um, were incredible. I mean, like elite. But then most of them actually, you guys were all on the the, the relay team. How did how did that uh, dynamic like? How did you switch from being ultra competitive to someone like you really just want to beat them and show them that you're the best in the world? But then you have to go be their teammate. Was that an easy transition? Yeah, it, it was easy. I mean, I think you have to uh, you have to throw out your ego. And, I mean, you have to have that confidence. Like, yeah, you're one of the best quarter milers in the world, or the best quarter miler. But at the end of the day, it's about teamwork. It's about family. And so, I, and I was I, I was I was doing a video this morning before for for the podcast and. And I was talking about that. That I think, you know, to me, to, to be a, a great team member, is that you have to get rid of the I and the me mentality. It has to be about we and us. Yeah. And and I'm big. I'm big on family. So I, I love family. So you know, me and Michael were going at it, and me and the rest of the quarter milers in the world were going at it. Whatnot. Uh, you know, I say within the you know my U.S. teammates, uh, is that we still like we have to be we have to be that strong that that nucleus, and we have to be that that fist that's balled up together. So we can be able to deliver a mighty blow to all these other athletes and these other competitors worldwide, these other countries, and and so that's why I constantly, you know, for me that was constantly in my thoughts. Like, like it's this is this is all about this is business, this is family, this is teamwork, and we're gonna work and we're gonna work together and we're gonna get to that finish line first and we're gonna break records. So Michael was the same. Michael was the same way, and 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 a lot of other teammates that I've had, Milton Campbell, there's many other many of them. And but we 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 had that family atmosphere. It was we put we were quick to have that short term. It's like short term. All right, we just ran against each other. Now it's time for the relay. Let's transition into that. Like I'm notorious. I'm I'm notorious. I was prepped for that. I'm notorious that you know as a football player is that you got to have a short term memory. You go out there, you throw a pick. Hey man, it's done. Next play. Yep. Let's keep on pushing. <laughs> you know, bust the coverage. Whatever you missed. I mean, you blew the coverage. All right, next play. Yep. Let's keep going. Exactly. <laughs> so what next play? Always. Yep. Always next play. <laughs> well, you know, when it comes to uh, track and field, there's a lot of events where it's it's an individual competition, and and there's also a fair amount of uh, events in track and field that's team related. And I wanted to just to kind of pick your brain a little bit on coping with losing. Like when you're when you're doing an individual event, it's just you. You either win or you lose by yourself. But then when versus like in a relay, right? Now you're in a team. So coping with losses, and I don't think in your relay team, I don't think you guys lost a, a, a lot. Um, but it, was it easier to to deal with the wins and losses in a team setting versus like an individual event? Well, for me, I, I just, I, I don't like losing. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> At all. So it was the same. If I lost individually, if I lost with the team, I'm like, I, I, I was always like, what, like, how can we become better? Let me go back to the white dry erase board and like, let's just mark everything up. Let's go watch some film because, you know, film don't lie, right? You can look at everything, see everything. And so, I just wanted to, wanted to critique like, how can we get better? Because like the next go around, what can we all do collectively to get better? What can I do individually to get better? So, to me, a loss is a loss. I don't care if it was individually or if it was a relay, a loss. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. I feel you. <laughs> Well, take me, take me into like, and also my listeners, like right before a race, like you're, you're in the blocks. What is your process? What is, what is going through your mind or not 
but I, I, I can only imagine it can be very intense, but also you need to be really relaxed and loose. But like, what was your process when you were just getting about to be in the blocks and then when you're in the blocks? Well, well, before I get in the blocks, I mean, I close my eyes and I visualize my race before I even run it. So I've already, I've already, like, it's like, it's already, from my mind, it's already done. I just got to go out there and execute it. And I mean, I think back to practice, like practice, like it's, it's like, it's just rehearsal. You're doing it over and over again. And so when you get like coach Bush, used to always tell me that, is that like when you're practicing, it's like putting money in the bank. And when you go to the meets, it's like collecting interest. It's like, it's like your party. And so I just would, I was, I would replay how I'm going to run my race and, and I would block out everything. So nobody existed. I played the pretend game always. I always played the pretend game and, and my coaches always taught me this because they were there with me a lot, but there was times they couldn't be with me. And, and I have to, they told me, Hey, here's your workout. I have to pretend that they were in the middle of the field, the field with their whistle, with their, with their watch and their timing. They're yelling at me. All right, tie 14 seconds, 15 seconds, whatever it may be. So when I'm at that major competition, I'm blocking out 100,000 people in the stadium. I'm blocking out all the reporters, the cameras, everything. Like, literally, there's nobody there. I'm literally running a time trial by myself, and I'm running against the clock. My competitors may be there, but they're not really there. And so that's like my tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And, and the goal is to get to the fast the finish line as fast as I possibly can. So that's, 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 what, I, that's what I think about. I love and, and you're absolutely right. The more relaxed you are as a sprinter, the faster you're going to run. <laughs> exactly right. Every, every, every sprinter, every great sprinter, Usain Bolt, everybody, any great sprinter in history will ever tell you that. Like when you start tensing up, and that's when, that's when you don't run as fast as you possibly could could have run. <laughs> now, how much? And maybe this happened a lot for you, but how did you get into? Like, did you experience being in flow and being in zone? Because that, besides winning a championship or a medal, I believe as an athlete, one of the most beautiful experiences that you can achieve as an athlete is to be in zone. Did you, cause I mean, man, you're fast. I can only imagine like how fast you're going. You're not probably seeing people, hearing people. You're just in the zone. How much did you actually experience that? Well, it's, it's like, it's amazing when you're, when you're running that, when you're running extremely fast and running like 44 seconds, 43 seconds in the 400 meters, it's almost like you're, you're floating on air. It's like you're just floating, like it's just effortless. You think you're not, you think you're not moving fast, but you're moving extremely fast. Wow. And 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 so the times I drop like the really fast times, it's like I would hit the finish line, and I'm like, man, and, I, and this happened. I, I said, man, that felt slow. And then I look at the clock, and it's like low 44, and I'm like, whoa! And then the crowd goes crazy. <laughs> and so, so it, it's just it, it's it's effortless. It's it's poetic. It's very poetic and. And just very graceful, just like when you, like just, I, like when I look at myself and I look at other runners, and and everything is just in sync. It's like a well-oiled machine, it's just moving. Everything is moving forward. It's like you don't really see much. You don't see hardly. You see very minimal slaw, and and it's just like in, in that person is like in that that zone, like in another world. Mm. And it's almost like you're running on a, they're running on a beach, and <laughs> you're running on the beach, and just having a nice little Sunday jog or whatever. That's what it feels like. Wow. Wow. Like that. <laughs> what about, cause I know you've been on, you've been obviously on the world stage, whether if it's, you know, competing in world championships, indoor championships, the goodwill games, yeah, pressure. How did, how did you deal with it? Was it something that you embraced? Was it something that you thrived on? I thrived, I thrived on pressure. I, I love it. When I see big crowds, I want to, I want to compete in front of a million people. 
I mean, I, I just, I feel that energy. Like I'm already pumped up. It's like they're pumping me up even more. And it's like, I'm on, like, it's like, that's, that's my stage. I'm entertaining the world. I want to get my best, I want to get my best performance. I know I put in the work, um, to, to be at the highest level. And, and so I just like, I don't, I don't back down from it. And there's so many, and that's why I love, like, it's like, it's, to me, it's not, it is 90% mental because when you're at that level and you're, and you're working out, you're going to get in shape. I mean, it, it's, and I'll tell you a funny story that I was at a relay and I was up in the stands and this is after I retired and we had this young athlete and he lifted up his track because I was, I was at a track meet and he lifted up his shirt, right? He had like a six pack, right? And so Bernard Williams, who is a uh, Olympic silver medalist, and he goes, he says, we all have those. <laughs> <laughs> he's a he's a comedian. He is. And, and but it's, it's, it's so true because it's like in our, in our sport, it's like, it's just, you know, we're all like very athletic and, but the, the mental part of it, that's what breaks a lot of athletes. I've had, I've had a lot of teammates that when they're, they're when we're training, we're preparing and it's like this preparation, they're doing phenomenal. We're like, man, you're going to run other, you're going to run like nine, eight, and you're going to run 19 seconds in the 200. And like, but then they get to a competition and they start looking left and right. And then the, the, the crowd, they get overwhelmed and they crack, they mm-hmm. crack under pressure. Right. And then, like athletes like myself and many other athletes that we thrived off of big crowds and we thrived off the competition. Like I'm like, yes, Michael's here. Like, yes, we got his. It's, it's gonna be another Ollie and Frazier. Like we about to go at it. That's what I'm thinking. Like, man, it's, we going we gonna fight it out. We going. We ain't going for. We going 16 miles here, baby. And and it's like, <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> so it's it's like I thrive off of that. But a lot of athletes, as we know, they crumble under pressure. You know, there was earlier this year um, the uh, the Wembley tournament with uh, Roger Federer and Djokovic were battling out for the championship, and it was so incredible. You talk about like pressure, and you talk about dealing with the fans and and the energy of all that, especially at a championship match. And right right at the very end, where Djokovic is going to basically lose. Every, the whole stadium is screaming, it's chanting Roger's name, like Roger, Roger. And Djokovic, in the midst of that chaotic experience, he has the mental fortitude to literally not hear Roger. He actually switches it in his mind that they're saying his name, not Roger's. And that was the only thing he said that kept him focused on the right things and kept him motivated during that chaotic situation. So he actually took that pressure and he reframed it, and I was like, "Holy smokes! Like you have to be, you have to be mentally dialed in to do something like that, especially at that stage." Well, you, you definitely have to be mentally dialed in, and I, and I think back about, I think back to when I was at, I was in Birmingham, England, and my first, I was at my first indoor world championship, and Daniel Keynes was a favorite. He was, he was a uh, British athlete. He just, I mean, he went drops really fast times indoors. And he and, and there, his, like he was in his he was in his hometown, home crowd, and everybody was chan- everybody was chanting it like you know you know Canes Canes and and so they, you know they I mean they you know with Americans coming in they think that hey we're we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break them uh, we're gonna break them just psych them out and and overwhelm them but for me I think like and many other great athletes you filter all that out it's like you think of you think about like hey well. I'm here. I'm here to take care of business. I'm gonna focus on my race. I've done it. I've done it a thousand times over, and and no chant of uh, your hometown hero is gonna sway me to do anything differently. 
and me and him battled. We ran the fastest fastest um, prelim in in indoor history, and then somehow he got bloodied up. I don't know how they said like you're following the pros. I, I don't know because he was a smaller guy and I'm a bigger guy, and I, I guess I busted him up a little bit, but <laughs> was I, I didn't I wasn't I, I didn't, it wasn't intentional, but right. And but then the but then the finals, I ended up, I ended up winning and. And so, like, I got the there was the boos that were there. I got booed, but I didn't I didn't really care because I think it comes along with the territory that not everybody is gonna like who you are. They're not gonna like your performance. So you have to focus your eyes on the prize, and you have to you have to to to, to, to make sure you 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 take care of your business and then be on your way. So, but I mean, I agree. I, I think I, mean, I, I think Roger Federer and uh, you said what's uh what's, I forgot another tennis yeah, player uh, Djokovic. Djokovic, I mean, like just you know, those, those are two great athletes, and but but that's why they're great because they, they can perform at the highest level and they can filter out all the, you know, all the foolishness and the, right. the, the crowd and and the people are trying to heckle them. Totally, totally, <laughs> absolutely. Well, you know, we 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 know this as athletes, um, no matter what sport we played, but we always we we get lessons from our sport, and that's why I love the platform of playing sports because. We learn so much about ourselves and we learn how to actually be in this world because we had the opportunity to play sports. So when you think about the right. lessons that you got from from either track and field or from football, what do you think are some of the lessons that have helped you with your life, life after sports? I, it, taught, it taught me to it taught me patience. Mm. It taught me to be to be responsible, um, to have to, to have integrity. And and it taught me that not everything like life is not fair. I mean, even though I grew up in a tough environment, I knew that. But it just it really it just kind of it, it just it um it emphasized that even more to me. Like you know that things in life are not gonna always gonna go your way. Like you could be the best athlete in the world, and you can and you can have a great fall program and your season be going great, but then all of a sudden, like you don't like me, I, I miss. I got you know every year every Olympic year I didn't make the team because I got sick or I was injured. And so it taught me that to to keep pressing forward no matter what, because they're going to be they're going to be so much adversity in life. They're going to be so many roadblocks, so many challenges, and and it's not you're not going to be on a smooth paved road. It's not going to happen. It's going to be very rocky and windy, and and so and it taught me camaraderie. Like you have to have camaraderie, teamwork, and it's it's not about it's not always a, even though you it might maybe in this individual like it's individual event. But I got to transition to the to the team that we all have to work together at the end of the day. It's all about it's all about my country. Like, hey, you know, we want to win as, as many possible medals as we possibly can, and and we want to be on top. And and uh, and just to, and also the you know you treat people how you want to be treated. Right. And I, I I've competed. I, I've there's there's a lot of athletes I've competed against, and a lot of my competitors out there in the world. Um, I have a lot of friends are from from British and from Australia and. Japan, they're all over the world, and is that like I always treat them with respect. I always respect the culture, and so just you have fun. Yeah, of course we we battled it out, but at the end of the day, I gave them respect. Though. Wow, well, I love it. You you bring up patience and being responsible, camaraderie, and all that. I mean, that's you know, for me, like I, there's a lot of stuff that I got from the game of football, but it, to me, it was leadership. Uh, especially in the role yes. that I play as being a quarterback. It it just taught me so much, and it helped me life after football in the sense of in my corporate life. So um, it just I love asking that question because 
there's so much goodness that we can get from sports and um and the fact that it helped you was was awesome and well you think about you think about two grand like i don't mean to cut you off no. like you think about like when i think about like great leaders i mean there's so many great leaders in our in our, in our world now and and in in history and i think about like john wooden i mean he won like nine ncaa national championships in basketball and I remember, like many years ago, I mean, I think Bill, yeah, Bill Wallen was on the team. He was talking about this how, how like uh, Coach Wallen was, like he he discovered that a lot of his players were getting blisters on the bottom of their on the bottom of their feet, and and he he, he came to a conclusion that well they're not putting on their socks right. You know how to put on the socks, and so <laughs> he spent an hour teaching them how to put on their socks because he wanted to minimize them from getting blisters, which is going to affect their performance. That can affect them you know, physically and mentally. Yeah. You know, a lot of them, they can't block it out. But to me, that's like, you think about like, that's a, that's a great leader. And, and also just like, I think about just the humbleness of a, a good leader is that you're humble. Like you win all these titles, you can have all these accolades, but still like with John Wooden, you know, coach Wooden, he was still sweeping the basketball floors. The janitor's like, you don't have to do that. That's our job. He's like, I want to do it. Cause he's like, this is my team. This is my family. And I, th- I think that's what people look at, like when, you know, you're, you're a leader, like it's easy just to point the finger, blow the whistle. But when you get down and dirty and you just, and you go out there and you, and you show your players, you know, like what they're supposed to do and you treat them with respect. And, and when they do something wrong, it's like, you don't demoralize them. You pull them to the side, you let them know, like, Hey, this would be wrong. This is your weaknesses. We're going to turn into a strength and we're going to keep on pushing forward. I think that, I think that, I think that's huge. So um, and, you know, also too, like, I, you know, I, to add on something, because leadership is great. And I was talking about it, but also the humbleness is to be humble. Like you could be on top today and, be, and tomorrow you could be, and you could be at the bottom again. Exactly. So huge. Be yeah. humble. I, be humble. And I think in, in the whole, uh, you know, spirit or theme of, of humbleness, I, I've been told this by multiple awesome coaches that leadership or being a leader has nothing to do with you. It's about everything about the people around you. And that's where some yeah. of the, the humbleness comes in. And I remember, I remember that because there was times where I was leading with the spotlight was on me and I, and it, it kind of came about, became about me and what I was doing because the spotlight was on me because I'm the leader. But then I had a shift. I had a, an a awesome shift um, kind of towards the end of my football career of like, it is not about you. It's, it's your response. You're choosing to be a leader so you're choosing to actually do everything for everybody else. It's not about you. Right. I agree. So I, I agree with that. I agree with that like wholeheartedly. Awesome. <laughs> do. Awesome. What about transition? You know, we, you and I were talking about this before the call or before the interview that, you know, everyone has to get deal with transition, transitioning out of their sport. It doesn't matter what level. How was your transition when you transitioned out of, of being a sprinter? Well, it was it was t- it was tough because it's like I think that having at the time, you know, you going back to like you. Well, I would say this: David Metzer, he's a speaker, entrepreneur, a great guy. He's a CEO of uh, Sports One Marketing uh, with Warren Moon, and and I got a chance for him to to mentor me uh, a little bit. And one thing he talked about is that when you're a great athlete, you're around all these great coaches, right? But then when you get out of the sport, you don't, you're no longer around great people to help you to, to go into transition and to go into business or to be the entrepreneur or not. And, and for me, I, like, I was one of those people, like I had great athletes, but then I, when I got out of it, it was like I didn't have that same greatness around me. And so I wanted to go into training. I wanted to go into 
to working with athletes uh, naturally because that's what happens. But also, too, I love to speak. And so it took some time for me to to have uh, to be able to hit these roadblocks and and and, ha- and to have these failures, whatnot, and for me to wake up and to see that I need to have – if I'm going to build this brand as a speaker and if I'm going to – if I'm going to train these athletes to work with these athletes worldwide, it's physically, it's mentally, then I need to surround myself around individuals that have been in the game for, you know, for a very long time. They're seasoned. They have the wisdom and, and, and I, you know, all these great qualities that help set me up for success. And so it's, a lot of times it's very tough because, you know, talking about, you know, some soldiers today and when they retire, it's like you from sun up to sundown, you know exactly what you're going to do. But then all of a sudden when you retire, there's there's slots missing like you have these these empty slots and so you have to fill them in and and even if you know what you want to do it's still sometimes you can transition to uh, if you're going to school if you're starting your business or you have your business it's still hard because you're in like you're in a world within a world like you're used to that camaraderie you used to be around these peers and to to come out of it and now you're developing into the civilian world and, and to get people to understand your mentality sometimes it, it can be hard because it's almost like you're speaking Hebrew. Like, they're like, what are you talking about? <laughs> right. And, and so, like, they're like, you're like looking at you like, you're like, blood, like deer in hell, like, what is that? And so for me, it was, t- it, it was tough, but, but then once I started getting myself, myself around people, like I said, that were at the top of their game and that were great speakers and uh, they were great athletes and had successful gyms and whatnot, then things started to become more clear to me. And I started to learn more because it's all part of the humbleness is that it's a, it's a whole new entity that you're going into. It's just, I mean, you know, you're, you're in corporate, corporate America and, and you have to be able to speak that language. And yeah, you like everything we learn as an athlete. I mean, it's like those qualities, you can apply that to your business, but, but it's just, it, it, it was tough, but it's, but now that I, like I said, I listen to David and many others and I got the great people around me. And now it's just I'm it's setting me up for like even more success, which which is great. Beautiful. Well, and and now you're a motivational speaker, entrepreneur. Um, you're gonna be you're gonna be releasing a book here soon. Share with my listeners just kind of all the goodness that's happening for you right now. Yeah, so um, I, I love motivational speaking. That's something that I've, I've always done it. For, for many years, but I just didn't know how to package it up. And that's why I got with Jack Cantor years ago. And I mean, I started like last year and, and I took his, uh, he had this course called train the trainer and it was, it basically helps you become a better speaker, help you to package it. And, and so I got certified and be able to tell my story. Cause everybody has a story, but it's like telling your story the right way and you find your niche. And my niche is like, I love talking about overcoming adversity and I love talking about leadership and talking about teamwork. And I've been through so much in my life and, and I talk about it in my book because I have asthma. I've had it my whole life. It almost killed me um, numerous times. And my, I saw my, my team of physicians, and they always just tell me, like, it's, it's just so above us that you have done, you became the fastest man in the world in the 400 meters, and that's one of the hardest events on the planet to run. Wow. And so I, 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 I talk about that. And, and because there's so many, I look at there's so many people out there in the world that have gone through the things I've gone through or they're going through them now. And... And I, I believe if you don't go out there and you share your story, you should never, be, never, never ever feel ashamed of your story. You should share your story with people because you never know who you're going to help. You never know who you're going to inspire to want to just get over that hump and, and get out of that dark place in life because you're, you're, you're hope. You look at past people that have, 
that have gone through things that I know before I was even born that I went through things that I've gone through and they overcome that. And those people are hope. And so I love, so I love, I love speaking and my book, they told me, no, I was going to talk about all the challenges I went through in my life and all the adversity and I overcame them and, 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 and to be the man I am today and just all the great people that were in my life uh, that, that, that contribute to that. And, and so I, I just, I, I spend my time now just traveling all over the country. I just build my brand and, you know, my God willing, my book comes out. I'm going, I mean, before I'm already campaigning just to, cause you got to campaign before it even comes out and doing that. And, and just, just being around great people, you know, like yourself, Grant, that's, you know, we all, you know, we're all in the same umbrella. We're all doing the same thing. We're all passing that baton and just try to reach as many people as I possibly can to help them to, to where that whatever they're going through in their life, it may be marriage, maybe it's financial, maybe their health, that you know what, there's there's always a way out. You don't have to you don't have to tap out. There's a there's always a way out. You don't have to tap out and, and things will get better and, and and despite the despite the storms that you're in, that, that sun's gonna shine. It, it may take a while, but it's gonna shine it's gonna shine one day. Yeah. Big time. You know, long time ago I was uh I had the opportunity to to watch Michael Singletary speak. I was uh I was my first company that I was working for out of college and uh it was the most co- like what you're talking about like dealing with adversity and hanging in like don't go don't give up. It's not an option. And I remember he was saying sometimes when we're sitting there and we're about to give up and we're just going to let go of the rope, he's like all I'm going to ask you to do is tie 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 a knot in the rope and just hang on. Just hang on. Yes. You know, and yes. I was like, I remember that stuck with me and, and, you know, and I, you know, I think my listeners understand my, my story of adversity and, uh, and there was multiple times I wanted to give up, uh, and I didn't. And I think the reason why I didn't is because sports gave me a purpose. They gave me, um, they gave me the opportunity to fight and have grit and mental toughness and be resilient. Like I experienced that. So that's why I didn't give up because, I had the opportunity to develop it. I just got away from it, but then I, I learned how to bring it back into my life. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. I mean, and, and, and think about it, like guys like Michael Singletary um, that's gone through so much in his life and, and many others, like, I tell, that's hope. I mean, that's like, hey, you, you know, you're going through it and, and it may be tough, it may be bad, and it may feel like, you know, you don't see the light in the tunnel, but like, no, there is light in the tunnel. And so, I mean, Michael Singletary, he's, Michael Singletary is a phenomenal um, he was a phenomenal athlete and sounds like a great human being. I never met him, but, but he's sharing his story with everybody. And, and that's the thing. Stories change lives. Yeah. I mean, I, and I, I tell my kids all the time, I said, don't ever be afraid to, to share what you feel inside because there's somebody out there that, that needs that, that may be like right now that they're, they have, they have a gun to their head. They may want to take some pills. They just, like, they just lost their house. I mean, there's so much they're going through. It's like, you know, what is over with. And I'm like, no, it's just begun. Like, and and I'll, I'll tell you this: like, my coach always gave me this quote. And when I was going through a tough time in my career, and, and they wanted me to retire, they're like, man, you're getting old. It's over with. You're you're done. And it's time. And he said, destiny can be delayed, but not denied. And he said, each and every one of us have a destiny. And he says, and thing, he said, in life, there's going to be things that's going to come in your path, like situations of, um, and you know, obstacles, challenges that are going to try to slow you up from getting to your destiny but they will never stop you from getting to your destiny. And, and that's what I always, when I go speak, I always throw that quote out there because we all have, we all have one and, yeah. and like circumstances of life. I mean, like, you know, people sometimes and maybe finance, maybe health, 
it all comes in and it's like you you get overwhelmed you get overwhelmed like you're like man i'm not gonna be able to reach my my, my goal or like my pit stop because i believe we have many pit stops in life and but you but you keep pressing forward and you'll you'll hit that one pit stop and you'll go to you'll go to another one yeah. because fear it's like a lot of this what we know like fear fear is like what fake events appear real yep. that's what it is yep. that's the acronym for it yeah so so it's like it's like you gotta you gotta brush that off and keep keep moving forward because when you look back you're like man i can't believe i was afraid of that well, I I love that that quote. I think I'm gonna use it. That destiny um, can be delayed, but not denied. Yeah, man, that's uh, that's real, and that's that's awesome. Now, what about your book? What when does it come out? Because I want to make sure that my listeners can uh, check it out when you uh when it's ready to be released. Yeah, so my book is gonna come out in June of 2020, and we, we pushed it back a little bit because we wanted closer to the Olympics. We're kind of doing it. We're, we're timing it. And uh, I, have a, I have a chapter in my book. It's, it's, it's entitled The Cost of Being Clean. And it talks about how I lost four world championship gold medals and a world record because my teammates were doping. And one of them committed suicide. The other one was banned for life. And so it talks about how uh, I, I share like how, you know, being a clean athlete, how these athletes that were doping, how much they affected me and my, like my career, affected me and my life. And, and to, it's to get athletes to think twice, these young athletes to think twice about doping and, and, and trying to take shortcuts when you, you just have to just, you know, however hard you, you know, you, you go out there, you put the work in, and if it's not to the point of it, if you don't make it, you don't get first place, you don't get second, third, or whatever, I mean, whatever place you may get, is be happy with, be happy where the cards fall. Like, don't don't go and try to, you know, take a, take a shortcut because you want to gain the fame, you want to gain the money, you know, get the money and and, and get the get the accolades, and so I'm gonna, I'm going to talk about that a lot, you know, in that chapter because, um, you know, steroids is I mean it runs rapid in, in many sports, and but in track and field it just hit me really hit me really hard. I was I'm I'm, like, I'm the only athlete in history that's lost, um, you know, four world championship gold medals and my world record, and and so I want to for me I'm very proactive of just educating you know, the young people and just people that. It's just to make better choices because you don't not you don't, you not only affect yourself, but you're affecting many other people like your family, and your fans, and the federation. So, so I just want them to think twice about what they're doing. Absolutely, and it's it's a it's a huge uh, it's a huge point, and it's just it's real again. It's another it's another thing that happens um, that's real within the world of sports. Uh, it doesn't matter what sport you're in. There's just a lot of people that will take shortcuts. And um, so yeah. I think bringing awareness around it is huge, and, uh, and and I appreciate you standing up, being vulnerable with that because you had to go through it. You had to really not only you didn't do it, but you had to be around it um, and see the effects of it. So uh, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. How do my how do my my listeners connect with you and follow you on social media? Yeah, well, I have my you can go to my website, and my website is um, www dot tyreswashington.com and you can go on my social media like it's, it's kind of I, I i got my i don't really go on twitter <laughs> i mean i use on instagram i'm on LinkedIn, linkedin and facebook but um you can go to the real tyree washington uh, on on uh, instagram and and then uh, i believe the same thing for my facebook uh, sometimes i forget my social media wife she kind of she remembers more than i do she has a great memory i think i got hit too many times had too many concussions but uh but but I, but I do like my website. And that's what people go. I mean, they, they hit up a lot and and uh, on my Instagram. And so, 
but uh, feel free. I mean, I, I go, I use my, my middle name is Shannon. So I, you know, there's Tyree Washington's out there. So I'm like, man, I got to put that Tyree S Washington. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I, that's, that's what I'm branding, Grant, like Tyree S Washington. I love it. I love it. <laughs> well, Tyree, man, this is like, I literally can talk to you for another couple hours. Um, yeah, me you, too. <laughs> you know, you just have so much great energy, and I want to thank you for that, sharing your energy and your journey and your mindset. Uh, not only was it a treat for me, but I know my listeners are going to love it. I know that you're going to affect people moving forward, and um, and I just can't wait to see, you know, what you do in your career. I'm going to follow it, and I'm a big fan of it. So, again, thank you for being on my show. Well, I appreciate it, and I look forward to doing this again too one day. Absolutely. Absolutely.